All right, let's go ahead and open up our Bibles to Galatians chapter number 3. And we're going to begin reading today in Galatians chapter 3, verse number 10. And then we'll get down to verse 15 and start our study together. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. For the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. And the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men. Though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. He compares the contracts between man with the contract that he had with Abraham. Remember we talked about how Abraham was saved by faith, just as you and I are saved by faith. Abraham was accounted righteous years before he was actually circumcised. His point is that those who were running around during his day saying that you have to be circumcised to be saved, he's rebuking them. He said Abraham wasn't circumcised when he was saved, so why then do the Gentiles today need to be circumcised before they can be saved? So he says, Brethren, I speak in, in the manner of men, though it is only a man's covenant, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. He does not say to the seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is Christ. The promise referred to here is found in Genesis chapter 22, verses 16 through 18, where the Lord said, By myself I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, blessing I will bless you and multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore, and your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies in your seed. All of the nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Now, the point that Paul is making here in verse 16, notice it says again, Now to Abraham and to his seed were the promises made. Now, if you notice in your translation of the Bible, the word seed is capitalized. He does not say, and to seeds, small s, as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, capital S, who S, who is Christ. So the seed referred to here is the Messiah. In other words, through Abraham would come the Messiah, who will indeed be a blessings to all people on the earth. And in verse 17, and this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. The point here is the promise that was given to Abraham that God would bless his seed was given 430 years before the giving of the law. So Paul is saying the law has no bearing on the promise that God made to Abraham because there was no law when God made the promise to Abraham. 
And he says in verse 18, for if the inheritance is of the law, it's no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. In other words, if the inheritance that was promised was conditional upon Abraham keeping a law, then it wasn't a promise at all because there was no law. And he says in verse 19, what purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed, the Messiah, should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. So the question now is, if the law did not set aside or even add to the promise that God had originally made to Abraham, what was the purpose of the giving of the law at all? It was added because of transgression, Paul says. Man needed the law because of sin. Romans 4.15 says, Because the law works wrath, for where no law is, there is no transgression. In Romans 5.20, more of the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. So the purpose of the law is to point out the sinfulness or the fallenness of man until the Messiah would come and offer a way to fix it. If, if there's no rules, then how do you know that you broke them? If there's no law, how do you know that you've sinned? So the law was given by God to show man of his, his fallenness, to show man that he has come short of the glory of God until the Messiah would come and fix it, the seed that was promised to Abraham. Romans 10.4 says, For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Once Christ came, we are no longer held under the condemnation of the law if we accept by faith the Messiah that would come, the seed that would come to redeem us all. An evangelist by the name of Fred Brown used three images to describe the purpose of the law. First, he likened it to a dentist's mirror, which he sticks into the mouth of a patient. With the mirror, he can detect any cavities, but he doesn't drill with it or use it to pull teeth. It can show him the decayed area or any other abnormality, but it cannot fix it. It cannot provide the solution. Brown, Brown then drew another analogy with the law. He said that the law is like a flashlight. If suddenly a light, if suddenly at night the lights go out, you use it to guide you down, down the hallway or the darkened basement to the stairs to find the electrical box. When you point it toward the fuses, it helps you to see the one that is burned out. But after you've removed the bad fuse and inserted the new one, you turn off the flashlight. It's no longer needed. The whole point of the flashlight was to guide you to the problem. The whole point of the law was to guide us, to point us to the problem, which is our fallenness. In the third image, Brown likened the law to a plumb line. When a builder wants to check his work, he uses a weighted string to see if it's true to the vertical. If he, but if he finds that he has made a mistake, he doesn't use the plumb line to fix it or to correct it. He gets out his hammer, he gets out his saw. The plumb line just pointed out 
the problem. The law points out the problem of sin, but it does not provide the solution. Of course, the mediator spoken of this ver- in this verse is referring to Moses. So, Paul's argument here in regards to the law. And then he says in verse 20, Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. The very idea of a mediator implies that there are two parties involved. In the giving of the law, it was God and the people, and Moses played the mediator. However, when God made the covenant with Abraham, there was only one party, himself. We see this in Genesis 15, in that God actually placed Abraham asleep and made the covenant with himself, and Abraham had nothing to do with it. In other words, God would not rely on Abraham keeping his end of the deal for him to fulfill the covenant. It is what we call an unconditional covenant in the Bible. A conditional covenant requires that both parties comply, while an unconditional covenant only requires one to comply. The same can be said of the promise that Christ has given us to us in our salvation. It was between Christ and God, who are one and the same. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 19, And all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. It was not a conditional covenant. It was not a covenant by which we had to keep the law. Not at all. Christ has already fulfilled the law so that we do not have to keep the law. What a deal. Listen, God bless you guys. Hope that you have a great day. Remember, God loves you, wants the best for you. It's working all things out for your good.